This is Sam's Trains, and welcome to my fourth podcast. And we have a very special guest today, the one and only Max Railroad. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Um, so a lot of people know you already, but let's go ahead and I'll shoot you some introduction questions. So when did the hobby first like spark your interest and stuff like that? Um, my grandfather, uh, he is he is an avid model railroader, um, and he had a big layout in his basement that got me hooked, along with the rest of my cousins. Um, now, the first real instance of me being hooked on the hobby was probably when I was like around six months old. Um, <clears throat> my dad set up a little G-gauge train around our Christmas tree, and I was awe, like in awe from the first moment I saw it. Um, and then from then, I always just had a casual interest in trains. Like back then, I didn't really know where a train was. It was just, you know, more, hey, look, thing moves on track. That's cool. I like that. Um, but, you know, then as I started getting older, I, you know, started getting into more of the mechanics behind it. And, you know, I learned about the different railroads and the history behind it. And really just, you know, every day I learned something new about the industry. And it always just seems to keep getting more interesting. And there always just seems to be more for me to learn. Yeah, that's um, very cool. Um, yeah, I think a lot why some people like join the hobby is because there's always something new that's changing. Always mm -hmm. something new there is to learn. And I think that's very captivating for a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of people stick with the hobby. So um, I guess the next question I have is what was your first train set? And, you know, kind of why did it appeal to you? Um, well, the first train set that I ever played with was the G-Gage one around the Christmas tree. That was a one of the little LGB beep engines. Uh, it was a PRR one. Um, I still have it upstairs, actually. It still runs. Not great, but it still runs. Um, Around the time that uh, my brother and I started getting interested in the Christmas train, my dad took it upon himself to build us a layout in the basement. So we had um, nothing fancy, just a few sheets of plywood on a bunch of milk crates that we actually stole from a local supermarket. Um, and then some older trains. Uh, there was a Lionel. Uh, none of this was scale, by the way. It was all just, you know, the plastic NPC stuff. Yep. Um, a Lionel CSX engine and then a Bachman Santa Fe engine. Um, and... I would come home from uh, preschool. I just remember going right down to the basement and then running trains, you know, just putting on the conventional transformer, just letting things run around the track in circles. It was just really captivating and really soothing. Still is to this day. Yeah, I would agree with the same, you know, like sometimes I get like stressed from school or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I just come home and I just run trains. And it's just a form of therapy, I think, for a lot of people as well. And we, and we yeah, can't really yeah. explain it and stuff like that. Nothing so takes I guess, um, nice yeah. Session. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, you know, what was, you kind of said as, as soon as like six months, you kind of knew this was your hobby and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. would you mind sharing a little bit of like your layout statistics? Um, kind of like what you got going on on the table behind you. And oh, stuff yeah, like that? Sure. Uh, so around five or six years ago, uh, my family moved to a new house and I was really adamant about not moving but my parents managed to persuade me with the condition that I would have my own room uh, to build a layout in. And surprisingly, they actually came through with their promise uh, and I got my own train room, which I'm in right now. You can kind of yep. see the layout behind me. Mm -hmm. um, the layout's about 10 by 20 feet. Uh, it's O scale. And I use um, Lionel's legacy system and MTH's DCS system. Uh, what else can I say? Uh, it's all 072 curves and bigger, um, except for in the yards and whatever. Uh, so I can run, you know, the big stuff. It's pretty much just two independent loops. Uh, it's not the fanciest of layouts, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, playability and a lot of fun stuff going on. 
Yeah, uh, so you, you kind of have like an interactive layout where guests can like come downstairs and like do their own little thing and stuff like that. Is that kind of what the attention you had with that? Right, yeah. What I wanted to do with the layout is I wanted to have, you know, an opportunity to just run trains, you know, like if I had a long day, I just wanted to let a train run in a circle for a little while. But I also wanted to have, you know, the ability to, you know, do some operations like I have a small engine terminal and I have a few classification tracks. So it's nice to come down and, you know, do a little yard ops where I pull a freight train out of a siding and, you know, grab an engine out of the engine terminal. It's a, it's a, a nice little way just to emulate what I want to do later in life, you know, with uh, real trains and all that kind of stuff. Um, can I ask you, like, what do you want to do with trains going into the future? That's a great question. So it's hard for me to put this into exact words because I have so many thoughts. And any, anytime I try and talk about it, my mind just starts racing. Yeah. But the short, uh, the short version of my story is I see a lot of magic in trains. I see a lot of potential for the future of railroading. And I see a lot of really great elements of trains that people just often overlook nowadays. I want to be able to share the magic of trains that I see with the rest of the world. I want people to think of trains and not think of, you know, these slow, old, tired machines that are a blast from the past. I want people to see trains as these innovative ways to get around a more eco-friendly and a timely um, alternative to driving your own car. So pretty much I want to shift the narrative of trains. I want to be the guy that brings railroading back. Um, so eventually after I go to college where I'm studying for, um, or after I'm out of college, I'm studying for public relations and communications. I'm hoping to bring my newfound knowledge of how to reach the public. And I want to make them as passionate about trains as I am. I mean, obviously that's not gonna happen because not everyone's gonna have a model train layout in their basement, but the eventual plan is to get more people on Amtrak, to get more people on passenger railroading, to get more people just hooked on the magic of trains. Um, and I'm going to do that, hopefully, by becoming the CEO of Amtrak eventually. That's my end game. That is an awesome mission statement. That is an awesome goal. <laughs> and that, that's really inspiring. I think, I mean, for a lot of people, um, you know, kind of really going out there and, you know, achieving your goals. Um, I definitely think that's a message a lot of people could get behind. And I really, personally, I admire your passion for trains and being able, you know, to you know, show people that trains aren't just these old, slow things anymore. They have so much potential and stuff like that. So I guess that kind of leads us into our next question. Um, your community involvement. Um, personally, to me, the reason why I had you on the podcast today, your community involvement involving with trains is just so fascinating. Um, you work at Strasburg, is that correct? Yes, it is. Um, you work at Nicholas Smith Trains, is that correct? I just got home from work about an hour ago, yep. Okay, yeah. So um, I guess go ahead and kind of just share your community involvement with Strasburg, you know, kind of how did you end up working there? Um, why did you decide to work there? And, you know, how is, you know, being able to share your passion with the public in regards to trains? So um, I started at Strasburg around April of 2019, last year. Um, a friend of mine who worked for the railroad, um, he and I talked a lot and he encouraged me to apply for a part-time position working in the value added department. So at Strasburg, there's two core elements. Well, there's two core elements of what we bring to tourism. So there's, you know, obviously the train rides themselves. And then there's also the smaller attractions that we have at the railroad, uh, such as the pump car ride back and forth, um, operating Lois, which is the motor coach, um, Lancaster. We call it Lois at the railroad, but it's really just the Lancaster, Oxford and Southern coach number 10 but we just call it Lois just because it sounds nice. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. uh, there's the cranky cars for kids uh, to, you know, tire them out so they fall asleep in the car at home after riding the train. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's not my favorite of the bunch, which is uh, the Cagney, a uh, very small, a uh, one-fourth scale steam locomotive. It actually runs off coal, runs off steam pressure and everything um, that takes people back and forth around the uh, property. Um, so he encouraged me to apply to work in the value-added department, and um, I got the job just by applying. Um, and I've really loved it ever since. Um, I've learned a lot from that position. I mean, I learned how to fire a steam engine and I learned how they work. Um, I've made a lot of friends and I've met a lot of really interesting people. And uh, working at Strasbourg has just given me another reason to understand that trains are magic. Because, you know, it's one thing for me just to, you know, say trains, you know, had this influence over me. But when I look <clears throat> over at the big steam engines and I just see, you know, a four-year-old kid gazing up at this steam-powered dragon that, you know, roars back and forth as it chuffs down the tracks. It's just, I can just feel that feeling, you know. It's it's what I felt that got me hooked on trains, because I used to go to Strasbourg when I was their age, too, and it's just the same feeling of nostalgia that just brings me back. Uh, nowadays at Strasbourg, I, well, I was in the Brakeman training program. Um, however, unfortunately, given the pandemic and everything, that has been Put off for a little while and I was technically laid off from the railroad which is a shame but it's all right I'll be back there soon enough um, and until then I will eagerly await coming back and I will continue to support the railroad however I can it's a really great organization and it's really cool to be able to help keep history alive and inspire the next generation of railroaders through Strasbourg. That is very cool um, that's a really cool story for me to listen to as well because um, I have an interest in history as well and I do like preserving that history. I think it's really important, um, but enough about my personal side. It's really cool. And hopefully, you know, um, that job will help you get to where you want to go in the future. Like the CEO of Amtrak and stuff like that. You can use mm -hmm. that stuff from that job that you um, learned and be able to apply it somewhere else. So best of luck to you on those um, future goals. So the Thank next you. question, um, what do you kind of do with Nicholas Smith trains? Um, do you, are you on the more the, backstage or are you more on the front stage selling trains and being interactive with customers that's a great question so i started working at nicholas smith trains when i was i think either 12 or 13. pretty much i was bored at home during the summer and a good friend of mine his name's joey he works there uh, he's the store manager at the house before this one um he helped me build the layout that i had uh and really you know gave me an introduction to how wiring works and um how to you know rather than just make training to go back and forth how to troubleshoot issues and stuff like that so anyways i texted joey asking if he'd be willing to entertain giving me a job um and he said sure so pretty much i showed up and um he essentially just had me doing you know small work around the shop that was just you know busy work that he had other he didn't have time for so like Anytime an order comes in on our website, um, we have to, you know, manually go out and pull it from the store or from the back inventory and then hand it to someone who will box it up and ship it out. Uh, so pretty much my job from ages 13 uh, to like 15 or so was just doing that. But I'm a people person. I love talking to people. That's why I love doing things like this. I love, you know, sharing stories and, you know, sharing knowledge and gaining knowledge and such. So soon after uh, I was, I graduated from receiving like a box car a week to having an actual salary at the store, um, I started helping out with customers. Um, I would start ringing people up at the register. I would start, um, I would 
consult with people. Like, you know, if someone came in looking for their first train set, a lot of times that happened and I would, you know, recommend them a set and they would be happy with the recommendation. It was a really good feeling knowing that I definitely helped get a lot of people started in the hobby because, you know, you wouldn't think that there's someone who comes into the store every day, you know, saying today's the day I want to start model railroading, but mm -hmm. you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people in this world and a lot of them are all looking for an outlet to be creative and model trains are a really good way to express creativity. Um, so pretty much I do anything at the store that's given to me. Uh, my favorite thing there is working with customers and especially new customers who are just getting into, this industry, getting into this industry and the hobby, just because it's really fun for me to, you know, help them and be a shaman or a sensei to them on their journey through model trains. Um, lately, given the pandemic and everything, we're trying to limit how many employees we have actually working out in the store. So I've just been doing some computer stuff in the back, which isn't all that exciting, but it's still nice to, have a job where I can be surrounded by the things that I love. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, I think interacting with customers and helping them get started to have their own creative um, outlet is a very cool opportunity. So that's also very cool to hear about. Um, I recently started a blog, um, which is www.behindthethrottle.com. So Behind the Throttle is this new project that I started to try and shift the spotlight from actual trains to railroaders themselves. I feel like a lot of times people will come to Strasburg just to see, you know, 90 and 89 and 475 and, you know, 611 when it was here. But I feel like a really, really undermined element of trains is just the people who work really hard to maintain them. So I started behind the throttle with that in mind. I wanted to share the stories of railroaders. I wanted to get people hooked, not on trains, but rather on the people who work so hard to pre preserve them and work to maintain them. And I was hoping that by starting this blog, I would give them the recognition they deserved and also, you know, give people some inspiration. You know, if they heard a really compelling story, they would want to, you know, go out and do the same. When I interview someone for my blog who just has a really good story about how they got started with the hobby and what they do now and how much they love it, it just, you know, makes me think, man, I want to be out in the field doing this and that. Um, so, for example, uh, a well-known figure is Kelly Lynch. Um, he is the vice president of marketing at the Fort Wayne Real Historical Society, famously owning the Nickel Plate Road 765. Actually, just um, this past week, I interviewed for him for the blog, and that story is going to be online this coming Tuesday. Um, it's really great. He has a really interesting story about his time uh, working with Fort Wayne and how his dad influenced his, um, uh, his journey through the hobby. So it was really cool to talk to him and learn about um, how he hopes to continue preservation through the magic of storytelling. Um, Kelly Lynch is a big inspiration to me too, because I'm also, I love making films and he is very good at making films. If you've ever seen any of Fort Wayne's advertising films, that's all his work. Uh, so pretty much not to get off too off topic and not to shamelessly plug myself anymore. Oh no, it's uh, good. I, I like it. This is <laughs> very interesting um, with preserving uh, history again and everything like that. Yeah, Behind the Throttle is um, my brainchild that I started back in November. I've been uh, publishing stories since the beginning of this year, and I love it. It's awesome just to talk to people and to hear their stories and to be able to share them with the rest of the world. Um, so I encourage all of uh, the fans out here to please check out my website and consider subscribing to the email list. I greatly appreciate it. I don't make any money off of this. In fact, I lose money because I have to pay for the website, but I think it's just fun. Um, another thing about me is that I'm a writer. I love writing. Uh, and having Behind the Throttle is a great outlet for me to write. Uh, the blog is my most recent project, and I really enjoy doing it. It's just a lot of fun 
to be able to share these stories with the rest of the world. And I hope that people, you know, after they're done reading my blogs, they're inspired to go out and invoke similar action. Because, you know, the blog's focused on distinguished members of the community. And I hope that people will read the blog and be like, I want to be distinguished. I want to do something. I want to be like this guy or this girl um, and help make a change in railroading because I love railroading and I want to see it uh, in the next generation. That's, that's a very cool story. Um, you know, kind of like the reason I started this podcast is the same mission you have with your blog, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, we recently just lost MTH, a mind-blowing um, yeah. thing that's just recently happened. And I feel like now is a more important time than ever to really get those model, model railroaders stories and stuff like that and kind of coming together um, as a community. And you're doing the same thing with um, rail fanning and stuff like that too. Um, mm -hmm. Really just anybody who's interested in trains now is a more, more important time to really come together, um, especially what's going on out in the world right now. But yeah. um, I really think, you know, it's an outlet for everybody to come together and hearing each other's stories, you know, someone can learn something from it, benefit from it. But yeah. um, I really think, you know, it's an outlet for everybody to come together and hearing each other's stories, you know, someone can learn something from it, benefit from it um, and stuff like that. So, so, well, I mean, there's so much of the past that's overlooked. Like when you think about, you know, passenger travel nowadays, like an Amtrak train will do like 40 miles per hour in most stretches of track when, you know, back in the steam era, steam engines were, hauling trains at you know 80 miles on the regular just because that 80 miles per hour on the regular that was just a thing that we did and you know no one really batted an eye um a lot of the important elements of railroading have been lost to the test of time and you know that's just due to how progress has affected us you know the progress of building highways and airports that can support people so such that the train is now kind of obsolete it's just important for us to be able to look back and say we did a lot of cool things in the past we can make these even better for the future. We definitely, railroading has not died. I don't think that this country has seen the end of trains overall. I feel like a lot of people have kind of given up on railroading, but I wanna make sure that that narrative is all but gone. Trains are still an important part of this country. Um, and one of the things that people often overlook when they think about Amtrak is just, you know, there's a lot of people out who live in the middle of nowhere in you know the middle of America who have no, um, connection to highways or airports or anything, and Amtrak is their only way to get around. Having a passenger service like that is really essential, especially having it daily such that they can accommodate going back and forth to wherever they need to every day. Um, and, you know, seeing a lot of the CEOs of railroading try and uh, take away long distance trains, it makes me upset because it's, you're going to erase the lives of a lot of people. You're going to take away their livelihood. And that's just, that's not fair. It's not what this country's built on. I've recently been reading um, The Men Who Love Trains by Lo Rush Loving Jr. Great book. Highly recommend for everyone. Pretty much, I won't spoil it or anything, but the book is essentially about um, a narrative of men who love trains and who were CEOs. And the long and short of the book is just that these men who cared about their industry, they were so much more effective of CEOs. Their love of railroading made them better. They were more decisive. They, were, they knew the market better. They knew what trains needed to succeed. And hearing their stories uh, and reading this book has just given me more and more motivation to become a, um, an executive at a railroad because I know that as a passionate train lover, I can make a change. And I know that as someone who understands trains, I can make a change. 
seeing airline CEOs and executives from oil companies or whatever appointed to these positions, it doesn't make sense to me because there's nothing like trains out there. Just like there's nothing like airlines out there. An airline CEO should be someone who's born and raised with airplanes. A train CEO should be someone who's born and raised, born and raised with trains. There's people who are just fit for jobs. And quite frankly, I'm fit for a job with a railroad. That's just who I am. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Um, you know, you kind of talked earlier about taking the lives away from people. Um, you recently, or a couple of years ago, maybe visited the Alaskan Railroad, correct? Yeah, uh, last year I was on a vacation up with um, with my family in Alaska. That was an oh my god, a life changing experience. It's awesome. Yeah, so I think I've seen a couple articles and stuff like that. The Alaskan Railroad really does provide a lifeline for a lot of people living out there. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. So. I know a decent bit about this. Actually, if you read on Behind the Throttle, so my first interview was with a gentleman named Bill Bivens. He is an engineer for the Alaska Railroad. He was featured on the Discovery Channel TV show that uh, they uh, produced back in uh, the early 2000s. Um, really great show. Uh, I met Bill when I was up in Alaska. He was the engineer on one of the trains that I was uh, just you know, glancing at um, at the station in Seward, Alaska. He hopped off the engine while uh, they were at the station stop and chatted with me for a little while. Really great guy. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we later connected on Facebook and I got uh, to interview him for behind the throttle, which was a really cool experience. So what he and I, what he really outlined to me is just, uh, you see in the show a lot of these off-gridders, people who just live out in the middle of nowhere, um, who rely on the railroad for transportation to towns. I mean, it's not as dramatic as the TV show makes it out to be, but to me, the Alaska Railroad is one of my favorite railroads because it really just embodies the spirit and the soul of what railroading once was. It once was this lifeline that communities needed to get essential supplies and essential transportation before cars and before planes and all that stuff. In the community where you're living off the grid in the middle of the wilderness, the train is really your only way back and forth. And it's really cool seeing how even in the 21st century, this element of you know, railroad dependence is still alive and seeing how railroads are so essential to some people, it's just really mind boggling as to how this industry can impact the lives of so many people. That's a very well put answer. Um, I would definitely agree myself, um, you know, speaking, trains were everywhere um, and probably from 1900s onward, right? And then all of a sudden it's just mostly freight trains now and it seems to be a thing of the past. And so hopefully, like I said before, someone will come along and bring those back up and really just keep railroading going. Um, I think it's very important economically and historically and all those other things and stuff like that, so. Right, um, I mean, I don't wanna say that railroading is the entire future. I mean, trains- No, there's, there's multiple um, opportunities, but I think- yeah like you said before, it's just lacking some potential and there's something still there and something that you still see that's still valuable to you. And that's why you want to go to the, to the, I guess the top level and really, yeah, yeah. really go for it. So. Yeah. Trains are an element of society that shouldn't be lost to progress. Uh, there are a lot of things out there that make life easier uh, and that make trains obsolete, like the airplane. If I need to get across the country, 
you know, in just a few hours, then I can take a plane. You know, before that, I'd have to take a train, which is, you know, a five or six day trip. And I won't, you know, lie, driving is faster. Planes are definitely faster. It's good to have these alternatives. But for someone who wants to slow down and enjoy the cross-country journey, then, you know, there's trains for that. And then for someone who needs to get from a small town to another small town in the middle of nowhere where there's no planes or anything, you need trains. You need this method of transportation where you can rely on a pre-existing foundation of um, infrastructure. That's the word I'm looking for. Good. Yeah. Very good answer. Um, thank you for sharing that. That was kind of off topic from our guidelines today, but it's totally okay. Oh. Sometimes podcasts do that all the time. It's totally okay. And I, I learned something new. Um, so I guess part of our going into our last topic or theme, um, you on YouTube, you have a lot of subscribers, a lot of followers, um, I guess with your mission of being a major influencer in the, in this arena of model trains and just trains in general, um, how do you kind of feel about that? Well, I wouldn't say I consider myself a major influencer in trains. Um, being a young guy who likes trains and, you know, has kind of done something with his passion, it definitely sets me aside from a lot of people, which is, you know, I don't want to sound too cocky when I say that no, kind of stuff, but um, I take pride in the work that I've done on my YouTube channel. It's been really cool to be able to document the progress that I've made on my own gauge layout. But the more important thing that I... Um, the reason why I put videos on YouTube is not really to um, make money, although I do make a little bit off of ads. That's not really that substantial. It's just something I tried out and, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. But uh, pretty much when I put videos on YouTube, I intend to do it to share my passion with the rest of the world and to create this sort of archive of what our hobby looks like and to create this memory of the mistakes that I made making this layout for future layouts and to help other people learn from my mistakes. Because in my eyes, this isn't a very big train community. You know, there are certainly a lot of us, but we're growing smaller. But I think that, you know, those who are really stuck with that we should help each other however we can. And if me making a video about the struggles and me putting together my catenary system on my layout, for example, will help someone with making theirs or will better yet persuade, persuade someone not to do it because, oh my God, it's such a pain to put up a catenary system, uh, then good. I want to be able to be that help. I want people to know that there are resources out there in the world of trains and that we are here to help. Uh, model railroaders should always stick together. And I feel like there's so much hate in this hobby. Like there's so much division between HO modelers and there's so much division between people who model really realistic trains and, you know, rather than just putting together a train that you like, I just don't want to see people divided over stupid things. Yes. You know, why can't we all just get together and love trains? We all love trains here. Why do we need to hate each other? I don't hate people who do other scales. I don't hate people who do a different era or model a different region than I do. I just like trains. I'm a boy who likes trains and there are a lot of us out there. So let's just, you know, come together and stop focusing on what's different about us. Start focusing on what's similar. We like things that run on rails. So, you know, let's make something of that similar interest. Let's be friends. Yeah, I would definitely agree. You know, I created my YouTube channel um, to kind of show that even when you have a super restrictive budget, it is still possible. It might not be perfectly to scale, but you can still do it. And the other reason, you know, kind of why I created my channel is really just to share my story personally and to go back on it later and be like, oh, wow, I did that. That's, that's pretty cool. And so yeah. now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's not just about for my personal gain anymore. 
It's really about connecting with other people and sharing each other's stories and really coming together as a community. Because like you said, there's so much hate, so much hate. And it's just, it, it hurts because I know that a lot of older people, um, this was like their life. Like, you know, um, I talked to Steven the other day or a couple of weeks ago, he's on my second podcast. And he said when he was young, he would just go to his friend's house and they'd run trains. And so now we have dwindled so much to where we can't do that anymore. Um, or at least for some situations, other situations, it might be more, you might have a railroad or next door that you meet, but whatever. But, you know, you just kind of what I'm saying is just like, we have to come together. Um, it's very important, you know, to preserve our history too. That's a, another point. And so that's kind of why I started this podcast is really to record everyone's stories and hear everybody's stories and maybe offer inspiration to somebody who is looking for that as well. And the reason why I had you on the podcast today is I felt like that you embodied that message very well and that you oh. would um, do a very good job describing that maybe more than I could um, and stuff like that. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, Please. Well, I'm, I'm really flattered by the things that you're saying. Uh, truly. It's, it's really nice to hear that, you know, the mission and the goal that I was trying to put out into the world of trains is being well received. Um, and I really do commend you for the work that you're doing with this podcast, you know, being able to share stories and, you know, you know, I've never talked before no. um, in person, but you know, this is an awesome opportunity. Like, hi, Sam, I'm Max. Nice to meet you, my friend. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully so, one day I'll be able to meet all my podcast interviewees. Oh, or, for sure. Um, really kind of grow the podcast and something more, but um, you know, we we're both in the class of 2020, correct? Yeah. And so we're both, our <laughs> lives are changing drastically, but Hopefully, you know, one day we will be able to actually meet each other. And um, technology really has given us the opportunity to do stuff like this. And I really, oh, for sure, especially yeah. in this time of age, when we have a pandemic going on, um, right now is very important to, you know, also um, use technology with our, to our advantage and really come together and share each other's videos and stuff like that on YouTube. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Having an outlet like trains in this, in these really strange times is just, it's really therapeutic and it's just nice. It's, you know, it's a trouble. It's a very troubled world out there. Um, and you know, it's what, it's certainly a bad thing to, you know, shelter yourself in and just, you know, ignore the troubles of the world. But, you know, sometimes it's nice just to forget all your problems and just watch a train go around in circles for a little while, especially if it's just, you know, it's a soothing and therapeutic thing that just makes me happy. Um, like, you know, my life isn't all dandy and breezy right now. Unfortunately, um, I've got some complications going on. Um, for anyone who watches my videos, especially my live streams, you probably have seen my cat run in and interrupt the stream at some point, um, as he does. Unfortunately, he's not doing too well. He has cancer at the moment, um, <clears throat> which has been really hard for me because I grew up with him. He's 16 years old, just two years younger than me. Um, which is really old for a cat. Don't get me wrong. I'm really grateful for the long life he's had, but you know, his time is coming and it's just nice to know that, um, you know, in times when I'm just not feeling myself, I can just come down to the train room and get a cheap smile and just, you know, feel good. Um, and I've had other hardships in my life where trains have just been there for me. You know, it's a lot more than a passion and a hobby and something I look up to. It's a coping mechanism. It's something that makes me happy, something that I can always count on something I'll just never get tired of. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree there. Um, you know, I've, um, I guess I'm a swimmer. And so I've gone 
lot, lots of extensive training and stuff like that. And, you know, now with this pandemic and everything, it's just, it's all been shut down. And yeah. like, I don't know what to do with myself anymore because I'm either in the water or I'm in bed or I'm eating. <laughs> I'm, it's crazy. And so now I've had all this time and I really don't know what to do. And I finally completed my layout. Um, well, a lot of people say that layouts yeah, are yeah, layouts never finished, finished. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's where I wanted it to be before I left for college. Yeah. Well, so that doesn't do have, the right there for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, that I think a lot of people out there who are just maybe getting started or, um, really don't know where to go. Um, maybe these answers that I'm, um, these answers to the questions I'm about to ask you, um, will help them along the way so sure, i guess the first that. question that i have is what is the most important thing you've learned about the hobby um that can either be model railroading or just uh, trains in general um what was it like before you learned this piece of information and then what was your life like after it if that makes sense it's a great question um and quite frankly the answer applies to a lot more than just trains in general um or to just trains but um i guess just to ask for help it, there's no shame in saying, I don't know how to do this. Is there someone out there who does? Um, in model railroading, like I said, we're a pretty small community, but there are a lot of resources out there. For example, uh, the O-Gage Railroading Forum, that is a great place to ask any questions. Um, so like when I was building my layout for the first time, um, the layout behind me, I didn't know how to do a lot of things. Um, and my friend Joey, who got me a job at Nicholas Smith, he helped me a lot with uh, setting up uh, the command control and all that stuff. But sometimes I was just left in the dark with the question and I just didn't know how to solve this issue. Uh, but thanks to the magic of the O-Gage Routing Forum, I was able to ask a lot of people um, just with one simple post who all knew what they were doing. Like there's a lot of people on that forum who've been with trains since they were kids and are now, you know, 50 or 60 and they are more than willing to share uh, their help or share their information and help however they can. So uh, biggest piece of advice would be ask for help when needed. Don't do something if you think you're going to do it wrong. While it's always good to, you know, learn from a mistake, just, you know, don't make the mistake if you don't have to. Ask for help. No shame in it. Um, and that applies for my job at Strasburg too. Sometimes when I was learning how to fire an anthracite, an anthracite steam engine, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and looking back on them, if I just said to someone who knew what they were doing, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you just give me a hand real quick? I could have probably avoided, um, I'll give you an example. One time, uh, there's this thing inside a steam engine called a fire, which is, you know, a fire, burning mm -hmm. burning coal, hot stuff, the go yeah. rocks, the go in the go box that makes the choo-choo go woo-woo, as we say. Yep. Um, pretty much, I choked out a fire, which means um, if you put on too much cold material into the fire and the fire isn't hot enough, uh, it will die out, you know, just like a campfire. If you put on too many logs mm -hmm. um, and there's not enough flame there, it's just going to choke it out. So I choked out the fire of a steam engine, and because of that, uh, the engine just kind of stalled and lost its pressure. And we had to spend a couple hours rebuilding the fire. Um, and that was, you know, a big slap in the face. Like, come on, why did I do that? That was stupid. Um, it was one of my first times running the engine on my own, and um, I just wish that I could go back and, you know, ask for help that day because I definitely needed help and the help was there. So, yeah, ask for help when you need it. Everyone's there for you. That's a very, they're a very cool story. I think a lot of people can learn a lot from that and apply yeah. it to their own, own situation. Um, so you kind of talked earlier, what are some of the best resources you have? You said one of them is the O-Gage Forum. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Oak Age Forum is a great one. Uh, there's um, a wide world of people on that forum who know a lot. Um, another good one is Facebook. Um, I've seen over the past couple of years the rise of a lot of Facebook groups about model railroading, not just O gauge of every scale, and also real railroading too. So you know, if you have any questions about real trains, you know, you might get some sassy answers from some people who you know like to make fun of people, but I can guarantee that there will be someone out there who's willing to answer your question, no matter how stupid it may seem. Because a philosophy I try and live by are there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. Um, and so if you have to ask a question that you think is stupid, it's probably not stupid because I'm sure at some point everyone else is wondering it too. Because no one comes into this world knowing things, you know, everything we learn, we learn everything. And there's no shame in learning things a little bit later in life than someone else or having to ask rather than just being told. That's very well put. Um, yeah. So any other closing thoughts before we end the episode today? Um, anything else you would like to say? or? My closing thought... Uh, First off, check out my blog, please. <laughs> um, but my closing thought would just be for all the experienced model railroaders out there and for all the experienced railroaders and for everyone who knows what they're doing or at least thinks they know what they're doing, be kind and be courteous. In this hobby, we don't have that many people. And you know, we're seeing now that a lot of things are that we know and love in this hobby are starting to come to an end. MTH trains is closing down, which is a real shame, but I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I saw this coming. Um, MTH has been making uh, exponentially less trains over the past couple years. And I'm not sure if you noticed this, Sam, but um, in their most recent catalog, they didn't catalog any uh, Rail King passenger cars. Um, and when I saw that, I'm like, this could either be an oversight or we're going to get a sad announcement in a couple months. And unfortunately, it was the latter. Interesting. Um, yeah. But anyways, my point is for the experienced modelers out there, be helpful, be kind, be courteous. To the new people coming into this hobby, we wanna help you, ask questions. And to the experienced models out, modelers out there, do your part, help people, be nice, be explaining, be patient. You know, There's nothing wrong with having to ask something twice. There's nothing wrong with having to ask something once, three times, four times. It's just better for us to help than just to be rude and sassy because that's what turns people off to a hobby. Um, anything else? Um, definitely check out uh, my channel, Max Railroad. If you want to see some awesome videos of my layout and some real trains too, uh, feel free to check that out. I had a lot of content planned for this year. I was going to make a lot of videos about my time working at Strasburg, but unfortunately, it seems like that's not going to happen anymore, uh, just given the pandemic and everything. Um, but there's a lot of cool model railroading videos out there for anyone interested, and there's also uh, some good videos of me seeing some real trains and also for people who like drones. I fly my drone a lot. So check that out. Okay. Um, and finally, thank you, Sam, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's nice to get up on a soapbox every now and again and just talk. <laughs> not, not a problem. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for watching, right. guys. Um, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast.